Welcome into the I-80 Club, Wednesday night, Indy Club. This is when Jack normally does says Indy Club. Ravi, do you want to say Indy Club? Indy Club. Indy Club. It's a Wednesday night plus one show. Josh Peterson, Ravi Lula. Ravi Lula, my favorite fill-in over the last few years, now cannot fill in on my station, but he can fill in on my podcast, so this is pretty sweet. Hi, Ravi. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, man? I'm good, man. It's good to uh, good to have you on. We got, I mean... There's so many things that we could talk about, you know, there's so many things we can talk about, and yet there's also so much nonsense that we can talk about, and I, and I have a guess on which way this conversation is going to go. Yeah, I mean, if I were a betting man, nonsense is usually the direction I would, uh, I'd lean, I would hedge yep. with the two of us, but, uh, yep. you know, there is a lot, you know, you know how much I love the NBA draft, so. You are a huge fan. Yeah, I'm, I love all drafts in general, um, except for military, but uh, sports drafts, big fan. Uh, so, But the NBA is my favorite one, so it's a real it's sweet spot for me right now. Um, plus, obviously, we got the College World Series, um, but man, and you get all the transactions around the draft, that's yep. almost as much fun as the draft itself. Biff says, feels like Brandon Miller saying Paul George is the GOAT needs some discussion. That, that absolutely slayed me when have you seen that did you see that oh, thing yeah, earlier I quote, I quote tweeted it and said take him off your draft board oh good good call that's a very <laughs> smart idea what the hell man like it's a, happer and i talked about it on on one of the shows today when it came down it's like i mean look so I, I, I think made, i know I, what happened there okay tell me what do you think i haven't heard a greater context or anything but paul george is the guy that he gets compared to oh okay so I'm guessing that's what it was. That's still not like a good reason. No, definitely not. Um, but at least there's like some sort of connection there, I think. Um, but no, it's a bad look. And, you know, for a guy that has had some bad looks in the past year. He, oh, has he? Is there anything <laughs> you want to talk about? It just like we just forget that he was a not insignificant part of a murder. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know where I, I remember when I think about Brandon Miller, you know the first thing I think of, and this is gonna be so weird. I think of cocaine bear because I remember John and I spending like a half hour talking about it as we sat at the movie theater preparing to watch Cocaine Bear. You you <laughs> made an appearance there that night. We had a great time. I think that's when I think of Brandon Miller. I think of Cocaine Bear. I did, yeah. I did not realize there was a Brandon Miller cocaine bear connection, but that uh, that's pretty funny, actually. I had yeah. I had no idea. Um, no, I just. So you don't think was, this is him just being a young idiot? It's more him maybe no, misunderstanding the question. Being, no, no, no. He definitely understood the question. I think he just chose Paul George because people think he's like Paul George. Okay. I think he is an idiot. Yeah, well, yeah, as, for multiple, as the last few months have shown for multiple reasons. Yeah, for but sure. um, and somebody was like, oh, maybe he's trolling. I was like, if you're trolling, you got to go like deep cut. You mm. got to go like Dolph Shays or wow, somebody. You can't be like, jeez, you can't be like, I think it's Paul George. That makes Dude. it sound like he's only watched basketball for like two years. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not a very good look. It's it's a uh, it's not a very good look. It was an odd opinion for him to have. I want to go back real quick before yeah. we get to Mavs Grabater's question about uh, Porzingis, y the draft. W what 
Why why this draft? Like, is it just purely your love of the NBA that that makes you like I guess you you and I definitely differ in that like I could take or leave the NFL draft. I certainly watch it, but more because, you know, it's something that we have to talk about. Um, less less because it's like one of my favorite pieces of content. You seem to just dig you seem to dig everything surrounding it. So why this one above that one and and you know, why is it among your favorite things ever? I really just love I think this is gonna sound cheesy it's just the potential of it all yeah i like the you know how i mean teams do this too so i don't think i'm alone here they get intoxicated by draft picks right most of those draft picks are never going to turn into anything useful no matter how many you have no matter where they are in the draft nine times out of ten if you're trading four draft picks for a current all-star you will not get return on your money right like you're not getting return on investment there most of the time But there's just that uh, allure of, yeah, but what if, you know, you're sitting there at, even when you're, you know, like Jokic is a great example. You know, you're sitting there like 41 and you don't expect to get Jokic. You don't even expect to get somebody that's going to make the roster. But sometimes, whether it's like Draymond at what, like 35, key piece to four titles, right? Jokic, MVP at 41 and an NBA NBA, uh, title this year like you just you know steph curry was like a was seven right like yeah. just so and even much- that feels kind of low for like a super oh not star. kind of low i mean that's usually you're you're talking top three right in terms of your really like high-end level talents and so it'd be funny to go look at your list of lula stars and see and where, they were where like obviously Jokic is now the lowest and i would have to imagine he will be the lowest ever lula star in terms of draft pick but i, I wonder yeah like at least in the modern era but i wonder like kobe he was pick what 13 for the hornets 13 back in the is, day 13 is gonna be low yeah uh, on lula stars is Kawhi I mean, leonard a uh, lula star he is he's and he's what 14 or 15 I thought he was lower than that. Maybe you're right. I'll go look. No, he was that. very back end of lottery. So right. he was, um, yeah. So he is. Giannis is pretty low. He's like 15 ish. Giannis is definitely low. Yeah, uh, but sure. LeBron won. Steph two. Uh, Dirk was like 11. Somewhere he, in there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, Kawhi 15. Yeah, so Kawhi was 15. I got drafted by the Pacers. Yikes. Um. Yeah, there was. Uh, who did they trade him for? That guard, that nothing guard. Um, they trade him for George Hill. Uh, yeah, yeah, George Hill. Um, nice. But like nice. Wade was what, like four? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was near the four t- or five. The top of that draft is hilariously loaded, and then there's Darko, which is so funny. And um, you know, Kobe's thirteen, Duncan's one, Jordan's three, Hakeem's one. Yeah, Magic's KD's, one. Well, I guess KD. I forget if KD is or isn't on the list, but he was he two. Is um, that's still the one I have the most consternation over? Well, hey man, I think the longer his career lasts, the more consternation you're probably going to have. I mean, he might like, get taken off the list. Honestly, like it's so wow. hard for me because the longer he goes without doing anything without Curry, the more I'm like, yeah, he's not one of those guys, but the career resume lends itself to thinking he is. He's got the finals MVPs, which at least one of them he, he definitely deserved. Um, he's, he's the hardest case for me without a doubt. Like it's yeah. most of these guys are pretty cut and dry. Yeah, it's pretty easy because they have, he they is, have the accolades, they have the titles and he's like this one outlier because like, look, he, he was, he was awesome on those teams and he was incredible, especially in the 2017 NBA finals. But 
I mean, the fact that he, Ravi, his best season in terms of playoff success since his his run with Golden State was the second round. I mean, it's pretty bleak now since he's he, left Golden State. Let me put it for you this way. Okay. He has never made it as far, I believe, he's never made it even as far as the conference finals without another MVP on his team. And you're saying that in terms of like, like, so like Russell, either future or past. Or, yes. That's what I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like Russell and Harden, obviously had two in OKC. Obviously he had Steph in, um, in golden state. Yep. He's never done anything. Even, you know, he had Harden for a while. Like he's never done anything without another MVP. Man, that's, his team. that's crazy when you say it that way, because at first I want to be like, but Robbie, that's really difficult. But I mean, Michael Jordan, he never had a, a fellow MVP, you know, on almost his team. none of these guys have. Yeah. Like Kobe Bryant, when he won his titles and became a, a Lula star, you know, Pau Gasol, he was not a former or future. Yeah, you have you know, all MVP. stars. You don't have MVPs. If you have MVPs, you should be running roughshod through the league, which is, by the way, what Steph did. Yeah is run roughshod through the league, but Steph getting one before and after KD makes it look really bad for KD. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, way that this true. Phoenix thing has gone, the way that the Nets thing went, like, the K- KD is constantly up for review on the Lula starboard. We'll yes, just put it I, that way. Dude, and I think, honestly, I think the argument for him is going to get worse as time goes by. I, I, I still think he is one, but you know what? I think part of my argument is, like, about an idea of what Kevin Durant is in my head and yep. less about what he has done on the floor. Like I, I, I look, I do think, Oh, and think know, about I it guess. this way. Think about it this I, way for his talent level, for the way that we talk about him, people talk about him as like yeah. a top 15 all time guy. Simmons always I, has him up there in his top, which 15, I yeah. feel is a little high. Yeah. Not a lot, but he's top 25 for sure. I think, but top 15 feels high. He's got one MVP. Is that it? Yeah, just the the one when he talked about his mom, right? Yeah, twenty fourteen. Like wow. that's odd for a guy of that stature. Yes, and then you throw is. in the other stuff with the lack of of playoff success without significant help. Well, dude, it, now especially like his body is broken down. Like yeah. I don't know, I don't know, Robbie, if we made enough about the last injury that he has had now when he hurt himself in warmups. I mean, like like, he just stepped wrong and his ankles like, Oh, see ya. Yeah. Like, you know how, you know how when older people like you hear that someone's curb and break their hip, you hear that someone, (laughs) yeah. Like a grandma falls and it's like, yeah. And that was the beginning of the end for grandma. And then then she died. And you're like, wait, what? It's like, wait, she just fell. Like, I don't, I don't understand that to be fair. Like, I, I mean, I've never, I, I should study the human body and falling more. And I guess what that means, but <laughs> it's just always this warning sign. It's like, I think we need to be talking about Kevin Durant's dumb warm up injury in terms yeah. of grandma's passing away. That's, that's just my theory. Yeah. It's, um, he's, he's, like I said, he's the guy that gives me the most trouble. Um, there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of like Dan Marino there. In mm. he is on unarguable, inarguably prodigiously talented, right? Yeah. yeah, and has put up insane numbers and has played the game at an incredibly high level. But at the end of the day, you look at Dan Marino's career for what we think he is as a talent, and you're like, yeah, would have liked to have gotten a little more out of him. 
Yeah. You know, like if you if if you drafted a Dan Marino type today, you would not be expecting the career he ended up having. No, you'd expect you would, you'd expect like what Patrick Mahomes is. I was gonna say you would expect Mahomes. Yeah, right? for sure. For sure. Um but I mean to, to get back, I guess, to your question about why I like the NBA draft so much. Oh yeah, I forgot um, that was the question. Part of it is also so I love evaluating players. It's the thing about coaching that I liked the most, um, along with doing strength and conditioning. I love evaluating. That's players. so on brand, by the way. And bas- and basketball is where I'm most comfortable evaluating players. I like to take guesses at college football, um, and like I, you know, I think I have a pretty good eye for certain things. But there are certain things I just don't know. And to be fair, I think yeah. football is way harder to evaluate than basketball because of how interconnected everything is. And I think I've talked about that before, but basketball evaluations are like my sweet spot. So it's just something I really, really enjoy kind of going through. And I don't make like my own big boards or anything. I just like look at other people's stuff and be like, I like this guy. I don't like this guy. Um, and so honestly, that's part of it is I just, I better evaluation. that's why I like combines. I just like seeing and, and evaluating players. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it makes sense from that perspective. Um, let's speaking of evaluating guys, Wembenyama, mm-hmm. um, he's been obviously becoming. I don't know if meme is the right word, but certainly there's been a lot of scuttlebutt and discussion about him over the last couple of days. There was an amazing picture that Brendan just posted uh, that Shea Serrano tweeted out where uh, he is talking to JJ Redick, and all Shea says is JJ Redick is six foot four, and he looks like. <laughs> He looks, it looks fake. He looks like a tiny, like shrunken down version of JJ Redick. It is, it is an incredible photo. And like, I guess a quick aside, I want to see pictures of Victor, um, hanging out with other tall people just to make them look small. Like the classic picture of, uh, Yao Ming and Shaquille O'Neal hanging yeah. out. Which well, is just a picture of the rock and Shaq. And like yeah. the rock is a very large man. And next to Shaq, he looks like Kevin Hart looks like next to Kevin to, to the rock. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, there's, like that's the same scale. And you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I know yeah. that's a large person. What's happening here? And, no, and but, so yeah, this dude's ahead. like a freak. He's an absolute freak. And like, I, I, I'll be honest. I've not watched a ton of uh, a ton of his highlights, but I have seen the one. And this was the highlight that I, I think everyone sees it. And they're like, oh, okay, never mind. This guy's going to be awesome. Is the one where he shoots the three-pointer. He misses. He realizes he's going to miss. And he jumps up and grabs the rebound and slams it home. And it's like, holy shit. This is, this is impossible. I've never seen anything like this on the basketball court. Yeah, the, the tip slam on the, uh, on the miss three is it's this moment where you're like, oh, so that's why the physical stature matters so much. Like, obviously there's a talent level there, right? Um, mm-hmm. Especially for the size, but you're like, okay, like a six, six guy's never doing that. That's not a thing that's even in the realm of possibility for 99% of people who ever touched a basketball in their lives to yeah. tip slam a three pointer in a professional game, by the way, yeah. this wasn't pickup ball. This wasn't like, I'm just shooting around. I missed, and so I started running after it, and this is just a thing that happened. No, he's playing against other professional athletes, most of whom are grown adults, by the way, and he is still basically a child. Um, yeah, no, the the it, when they say generational talent, they're not exaggerating. He's the best no. prospect since LeBron James. Um, 
it's it's not close even i don't think because his you know people bring up like anthony davis he's got all of the defensive upside that anthony davis had coming out and way more answers on offense already there was a lot of questions about anthony davis's offense coming out of kentucky and he answered a lot of those questions to be fair but as far as a prospect is concerned he's miles ahead of where anthony davis was um this is a lebron level prospect and listen he may never be able to make it through an NBA season healthy. Knock on wood. I hope that's not the case. But he's got a he's he's a unique body type, right? So we have no idea. It's like Zion, except for in the other direction, which instead of being like long and skinny and lanky, Zion's like bulky and huge and apparently really stupid. But mm-hmm. um, like you know, you wondered. That was the only question I had about about Zion was, hey, is that body type going to hold up eighty two games? You know. Um, that's to be fair to him, question. at least he doesn't have the same body type. It's a little different now than it was when he came in the league. Yeah, not not in a great way. Um, no, it definitely is not. <laughs> in a bit of a Robert Tractor trailer way. No, nice reference. Um, <laughs> that's that's my goat, by the way. Robert Tractor trailer. <laughs> See, like that would have been funny. Yeah, yeah, would have been awesome. If Rambler's like, man, I'm a big tractor trailer guy, and the viewers <laughs> just like, what? He could have been Shaq. <laughs> but like, you know, there is. There, there's that's the only question mark is is if the health stays up. If the health stays up, I have zero questions about Wembenyamin as terms in terms of of being successful in the end. What do you think his floor is? Um, assuming health, yeah. Um, I would say his floor is probably Rudy Gobert. That'd be solid. That'd be a solid floor. Yeah, no, that for a floor, I think that's really good. You're talking about a multiple time defensive player of the year. Yep. Um, yeah. I think his offense is already way beyond what I mean, I know it is because he can actually shoot a basketball. Yeah. Um, not to mention dribble and do all the other things that he does. But the um that's his absolute floor because I don't I don't see a way where the defense doesn't translate. Um and I don't think that the offense will have trouble translating, especially at least the shooting. Um, but I would say, I would say Rudy Gobert is, is the floor assuming health. Yeah. Brennan says, I think it's a lot higher than that. If he can stay healthy, what, what do you, what do you make of the discourse surrounding just his body? Not, not obviously in terms of height and athleticism, but just the thin nature of him. Like I, I was listening to Windhorse today. He was on uh he was on Simmons's pod and he, he talked about like, look, will there be moments when he goes down into the paint and he's like, made to look a fool because of his size and like his lack of, of muscle or, or weight on him. Like, yeah, that's going to happen, but he's also going to just make insane athletic plays that, that guys never have seen before on the, on the basketball court. Like do we, I guess, let me ask it this way. Do we make too much of the, of the size and he's going to have to go down low. Like we're not talking about 1994 NBA right now, are we? Right. Yeah. So that's part of it is, like, how many guys are we actually talking about that actively want to put you in a low post situation? Like, Jokic and Embiid? Is that the list? Like, of, of people that matter that are actively trying to put you in the low post? I are think, you talking, yeah. I, yeah. You know, like, so what are we really concerned about? Here? Yeah, like so two guys. Yeah, yeah two you're guys. talking about two guys. And by the way, he's got three inches, four inches on both of those guys. So it's not like it's going to be the easiest thing in the world for them either. Um, I do think we make too much of it. 
you know, we people lost their minds about KD's size, and it's you know, is Wembenyama going to play small forward? I don't think so, but you know, people didn't think that KD was going to be able to hold up either. Dude, I was just thinking the same thing, man. You the know, way that we I talked just, about KD is it reminds me a little bit of this. I just looked at it. You know, it's why I didn't really have any problems with Chet either last year. Um, now, obviously, we haven't seen him yet, but I'm I'm a big Chet Holmgren guy as well. Um, I think you just bet on the talent and everything else will figure itself out. Because let's be honest here, like everybody in the NBA gets embarrassed at some time or another. That's kind of just the nature of being in the league. Like LeBron gets embarrassed every once in a while. Like Steph Curry put Chris Paul on his ass, who was when he was like a peak point guard defender, you know, like. Kawhi's gotten burned on defense. Like, there's a clip of Michael Jordan getting crossed the fuck up by Allen Iverson. In yes, exactly. Like, everybody in the NBA gets embarrassed. It's a really good league. Like, there's a lot of really talented guys there. So, like, there is just a... I think people worry about it too much. Because, like, yeah, okay, if you're a rim protector, you're going to get put on a poster. If you're guarding on the perimeter, you're going to get crossed up or you're going to have your ankle snatched or whatever. And it just happens, and you just have to move on. Like, no one is so good that they don't get embarrassed at some point or another. Yeah, like that's just what it is. Yeah, for sure. It'll uh, it'll it'll be interesting. Do you have any Do you have any leftover NBA takes before we move on there? Because there's something in particular with Nebraska football that I'm I'm really curious to get your thoughts on. No, let's get rolling. Let's go. Okay, so I, I don't know if you've noticed this, uh, and this is my first pod in the last week, and last week we did a mailbag, so I haven't really had a chance to dive into this in the club. I've talked about it a little bit with the guys on the station. Um, but we, uh, we I, like, I guess, let me take a step back. I have, have said for quite a few months that like I think the talent level of this team is suspect, and they're going to have to win games through smart football. They're going to have to win games through coaching, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I have noticed an uptick in that kind of discourse lately. I, I really noticed it um, in a Sam McEwen story that went up over the weekend, kind of as a primer for the uh, like, hey, we're going to start doing our our top 50 Huskers or whatever. We're going to start doing that ranking. And he kind of said, like, if they get to even six wins, like we need to applaud the coaches. And I'm kind of paraphrasing. But I've noticed that that change in discourse in recent weeks. Have you noticed that as well? And is it something that you agree with? Because I, I obviously do, given that that's my stated position going back now many, many months. But is it, what, what have you, have you noticed that? And, and do you agree with kind of that assertion right now? But um, we can kind of dive into what we think that means moving forward as well. You know, I've, I've, I've heard the, you know, maybe the winds blowing in that direction a little bit. I guess I'm curious from your standpoint, like, how did you land there? I'm not, you know, How did I, I, I land there personally? Yeah, like where? What brought you to that point? Just so I can understand better um, your view on when you say the talent level is a little suspect. I just like how did you get there? So I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. For me, it, I, I kind of started in a couple of different spots. I mean, the quarterback depth, you know, is what it is, and I think that we all agree on that, right? So you kind of start there and you say, "Wow, if Sims goes down." You know, you're going to you're going to have a, a kind of a big problem there. But the th- the takeaway, I guess, that I had coming out of spring ball was, wow, the wide receivers and the running backs have a lot of questions, a lot mm-hmm. of questions at, at those positions. And so I've just been thinking, 
kind of how are they going to score? How are they going to score points? I've asked myself that question a lot. I've asked guests that question a lot, and I will continue to ask people that question a lot. And then beyond that, I go, okay, I think the offensive line can be better. I, I like personally, you know, even if we all agree with Don, on Donovan and, and how good of a coach we think he is. And I think for the most part, all of us in the club here are kind of in the same boat um, that that was a pretty disappointing, uh, you know, rehire, if you will, to, uh, to bring him back. And, and I do think they're going to be better. Um, but I worry about the depth there and, you know, how, how good that they can be with the offensive line. And then on defense, I just, I don't see any, I don't really see any dudes and real quick, Josh says, but did you base that talent level on a spring game? No, I, it was, it was just another reminder. And I I mean, Josh, we can go back to podcasts that I, you know, we were recording in December and January and February and March. And I was saying that, you know, I just, I've never really liked the wide receiver room. I think it says a whole hell hell of a lot. And I, I've said this, I've been a broken record on this, Robbie. I'll say it again. The fact that they brought back a wide receiver who didn't play last year and also, you know, had to get his grades in order. Um, and then they also brought back a wide receiver that left the team within three or four weeks. I just think that that, that says a lot about that, about that talent room. Um, I, I have heard not great things about the Anthony Grant situation and, and, and apparently, um, you know, like the doghouse situation to, to start spring ball is very, very real, um, in terms of, you know, him being suspended and not practicing. Um, and I wonder what that is going to mean for things moving forward. So I guess that's, I don't know if I ultimately answered your question. Um, but that's, that's kind of how I have landed on the, I just don't know if this team kind of has, has it talent wise going into the season. So I would push back on the defense a little bit. I like a lot of their guys there. And I, I actually am, am reasonably optimistic about some of the, the, the newcomers on the edge that I think could be good. I really like what we saw out of some of those guys in the spring. Um, so I'm not terribly worried about the defense. I agree with the wide receivers. Wide receiver is a problem that needs addressed, but I think I really like the tight end room. So I do like the potential of the tight end room. You know, so that can mitigate a large part of the wide receiver issues. Um, If you go tight end heavy, which I, you know, last year um, at South Carolina, they ran a ton of, um, of tight ends two tight end stuff towards the end of the year where they finally started picking up some, some steam. So, yeah. um, You know, take that for what you will. Um, wide receivers and running backs, I think, are, are a totally fair um, criticism. Running backs, I, I kind of feel like if you get the offensive line sorted out, then the running backs will be fine. Uh, maybe that's being too optimistic, but that's generally how I feel about running backs, unless you've got a dude, and I don't think with or without Anthony Grant, they have one of those guys um, at the running back spot. So. You know, to me, the running back room is way more offensive line dependent than it is For their sure. own talent dependent currently. Um, I think they have enough guys that with a decent offensive line, they would be fine. Um, depth on the offensive line, certainly an issue. And there's just the unknown, right? We haven't seen. We haven't seen a good offensive line in a while. <laughs> no, we haven't. And I, I think there's pieces there that that could be. I think the coach's emphasis on it, obviously. I'm not as. I guess openly disappointed about the Riola thing as, as some people are, um, you know, I don't, why is that? 
Well, I think the idea that they came, that Rule and Rayola kind of came from the same school of offensive line you know, technique and play and stuff like that is, is interesting to me, um, that they're just going to be more on the same page. Um, a lot of the stuff I've heard about the way the offensive line was last year, and obviously there were issues in, in terms of depth and things like that that are not one-year fixes, right? Depth is not a one-year fix, especially on the, on the offensive line group. But I think so much of what we saw in terms of struggling last year was they brought in an offensive line coach that coached one way and kind of coached a certain philosophy, and then they called plays a way that did not complement that at all. And that's going to make any group look bad. Does that mean they're going to be good this year? Not necessarily. But I do think everybody's going to be on the same page this year, and I think that's going to matter to a certain extent. Um, so that's, I, I'm, I don't know if optimistic is too strong of a word, but I'm withholding judgment for sure. Um, rather than, you know, and I get like, if you want to be disappointed in, in the Rayola hire, I totally understand that, but I'm withholding judgment until we see it. Cause I'm pretty convinced that the rule wouldn't have kept him unless they were on the same page. Um, hey. so that's oh, that's big for me. Is all I was going to say there. Can, can real quick back to the defense? Are are you um? Do you like have it have the concerns though in terms of changing changing the scheme on that side of the ball, like and just how difficult that that could be in, in given the ask that they will have with the players and and how that will fit with the three three five. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously going to be an adjustment there. I just I don't know to what degree it's going to be a problem. Um, I don't, if it was the previous coaching staff switching a scheme, I'd be really, really concerned because I don't think they were very good at oh, for sure. anything. Right. Um, but I think because of this staff's attention to detail and it's kind of the way they operate. I am, I guess I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt until I have reason not to. Um, is there going to be, uh, is there going to be op- like speed bumps and stuff like that? Absolutely. Like I, I expect that, but is it going to be more so than just anything we would see under a first year head coach? I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't assume that it's going to be a huge issue above and beyond just a new coach. And Cause even when you don't, even when you don't change schemes in terms of, like actual lineup and formation in terms of, of like a four, three versus three, three, five or whatever, you're still changing a lot of how you operate within a defense. When you switch coordinators, even if you're still lining yep. up the same way, you're going to call plays and what you're going to do, you know, and how yeah, you're going to like attack how you're and checks yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And so yeah. I, I just don't know how much the actual formation complicates things that much more than just hiring a new coordinator would anyway. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe I'm being too optimistic, but again, I think it's, I think different schemes within the same formation are complicated and different enough that maybe we don't always give that enough credit um, the way that we do when they're actually changing their formation. So that's kind of where I'm at on the defensive side of the ball. Plus I just, I like the talent on that side of the ball. Like I, you know, I, I know that we can't measure ourselves against the West forever, but you know, I literally just one more year. I look at the other teams in the West. I'm like, you know, I, I think the defense stacks up there. Um, now, how are they going to score points is a fair question. If we don't love the receivers, 
If we're not sure about the running backs, we're not sure about the offensive line, heaven forbid Jeff Sims goes down, then yeah, scoring oh points is going to be a problem. Yep. Right? But yep. I, you know, again, I can kind of talk myself into the tight ends. I can maybe talk myself into at least an offensive line that is part of a coherent overall plan. Um, and, you know, maybe J- Jeff Sims stays healthy, even if it's for 10 games instead of all 12 or whatever. You know, I could see getting to, I could see getting to six wins. Like, I don't think getting to six wins is a miracle. And I feel like that's kind of the way this is turned. Do I necessarily expect that? No, but I don't think it's this huge, you know, 1980 Olympic hockey team going to six wins with this level of talent in the Big Ten West. Like, I don't think it's that. I want to get to Josh's question in, in just a moment. Um, but like the thing I going back to the defense, I th- the thing that I'm wondering about now is where did the deficiency show itself? Like, is it a team that becomes like susceptible to big plays? Is it a team that can't get their own splash plays and takeaways and sacks? Like what is the thing? And look, the answer might literally be all of the things that I just mentioned and they're all a problem, but I wonder if there is a bread and butter that they're able to kind of get to on that side of the ball. What's the deficiency that we all look and say, yeah, that they're just not ready to execute blank because they don't have the defense installed totally yet, or they don't have the guys in there that they would like. Like, I just wonder, and I mean, we could say the same thing about the other side of the ball too. Like, I just wonder where the year one of it all is going to show itself on offense and defense. And look, part of it is going to be the the team that they're left behind, right? Like part mm-hmm. of it is just that they're inheriting, you know, a bunch of stuff. Oh, and, and I guess I'll add on top of that too, Robbie, you know, going back to the original question, the other, the other thing that I saw, <clears throat> let me pull it up. The other thing that I saw that kind of got this discourse kicked off over the last few days was something that was in tunnel talk on Friday from Sean Callahan. He mentioned this Balesto NFL scouting service. And, and for the record, I'd never heard of this before. And so, you know, maybe we should all take this with a grain of salt, but he said it's one of the most highly regarded in the game. I don't think Sean is going to blow smoke for the sake of blowing smoke for something like this. He says it puts out early draft grades. Well, on agree prospects disagree, over- but <laughs> <laughs> puts out early draft grades on prospects over the summer. Currently offensive lineman, Ben Scott, is the only NU prospect with a grade and it's for the seventh round. So like that, I mean, that, that was noticeable to me when I was, and and I I don't think that I was surprised just because I'm like, yeah, who the hell else would we say is, you know, a draft player. So I I know that I just threw like 800 things at you in one answer, but I, I think that that those are the things that I guess I'm ruminating on right now in my head. So I think the thing that we're looking at a lot right now with this roster and the way that was assembled was, yeah, is there a guy that, NFL teams look at right now and say like, yeah, we would draft him today or, or this upcoming year based on what we've seen so far. Maybe not, but I think what they did a really good job on in like the transfer portal was taking a, like betting on guys that had a high level of talent coming out of high school that maybe it just didn't work out where they were at before. Um, and those guys aren't going to be on draft boards. Those guys aren't going to be on, you know, scouts radars necessarily in, in terms of, guys that'll get drafted next year but you know i do think that's a kind of smart way to say hey let's let's upgrade our i I don't think that's a downgrading talent bringing guys like mj sherman in you know like that's not you know so and, and there's a lot of guys kind of maybe he's the best of that example but i think there's a lot of guys kind of in that neighborhood of or at least in that blueprint of what they were trying to do and i don't expect those guys to show up on you know, in terms of guys that would be drafted this year or whatever. So I get where that's coming from. 
Um, I also, I also think that it's maybe not the best indicator considering how the roster was put together. Yeah. Um, is there, I think, but by the end of this, we'll look at this team and I'm not saying we're gonna have like a Georgia or Alabama or anything like that, but I think there'll be a handful More of guys. guys. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll be looking at a handful of guys at least that end up on either drafted or on NFL rosters or whatever, you know, the other thing you have to remember is that Matt rule has a history of doing this, of taking guys that nobody cared about at all and turning them into NFL players. He did it at Temple. He did it at Baylor. You know, he's got a track record of it. Like it's happened at two very different locations, two very different circumstances. I have to kind of believe that that's a thing that he's capable of again here as well. So I, I look at the people that he's brought in and I think to myself, okay, he sees something in them where he thinks these guys can not only be good at Nebraska, but go on and play at the next level as well. And at this point, I, you know, I, I kind of give him, like I said, un- until I have a reason not to, I'll give him the benefit on the, uh, of the doubt on stuff like that. Yeah. Um, because he's, he does have a track record of it. Well, and, and I mean, here's the other thing too, <clears throat> on top of that, Ravi, it's like at his previous stops, there were guys in the room and he, he saw something in them that the, the previous staff didn't. And he was able to maybe change positions or coach them up, yada, yada, yada. They ended up in the NFL. Like, I will admit that a bias, I guess, of this <clears throat> entire conversation is the thought from my perspective that they just don't have that guy, but maybe there is that guy or guys that we are just totally missing. Like, if Thomas Fedoni turns into a draft pick, I don't think anyone in this room is going to be surprised by that, right? I mean, yeah, no. Thomas Fedoni, former four-star, top 50 player. But if, you know, I, I don't I don't want to even name a name, but like, what if, what Taylor if Ramir Johnson... Yeah, like what if one of those is at Stanford? What if one of those guys suddenly it's like Ramir Johnson, third round pick? It's like holy shit! Like wh- where, where, how did that happen? You know, I didn't see yeah. a third round pick coming from that guy. So like, I wonder who exists in that regard on the roster right now. Yeah, and I it wouldn't surprise me if there's several of them. I mean, like this is an extreme example, but literally before his senior year, Joe Burrow would not have gotten drafted, and he ends up being the number one pick in the NFL draft. Dude, I remember having a debate with somebody the year before about him and and how this person was like, yeah, this guy is, you know, he's a Heisman contender and, L- and LSU is now a playoff contender. And I was like, give me a break. No, he is not. And then the guy responded to me like the next season. It's like, oh, look at that. I'm like, <laughs> I was talking about last year, though, bro. Like last year, he didn't look yeah. very good. You know, and, and so you, you're right. You, like he brought in new coaches or yes. brought in new coaches. He brought yes. in new offensive staff. So like, yes, that to me matters. I mean, and, and it matters to everyone right but it matters so much when you're talking about what these guys nfl futures look like because i firmly believe scott frost did not get the best out of uh, anyone like is that fair like i don't know i can't name a single guy it's like yep really maxed out his talent under under scott frost there yeah i mean technically stanley morgan had his best season you know under scott frost but i i I wouldn't refer to that as like you know maxing out his talent it was just you know he had a thousand yards you know coincidence more than anything it felt like yeah same Um, with like jd spielman you know like uh, yeah i mean okay i'll give you one divina zigbo definitely had his best time of of his career easily 
under the Scott Frost regime. But that said, Robbie, he was like fourth string coming into the season. So like how much credit are we going to give him for that when they wanted Greg Bell to be the guy? Right. Yeah. Like I, that's what I mean. There's, I think there's probably guys on this roster that are better than we realize that yes. are going to end up in the NFL that we, that seem crazy to think about right now. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't, there's, I mean, I don't want to say this too loud. Oh, there's like a couple offensive linemen I think could be oh. in the NFL. Oh, um, this one, does his name begin with a B and end with an ice? <laughs> no comment. Okay. Um, the, favorite offensive lineman. You know, the there's guys on the defensive line, and we're talking two or three years from now with some of the guys on the defensive line that I like, but I like that freshman group they brought in. I like some of the transfers they brought in on defense, you know. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, a couple of the linebackers, a couple of the defensive backs end up in the NFL someday. Like, I don't know. A lot of guys get chances in the NFL and the fact that a lot of Nebraska guys haven't recently is more a condemnation on the previous coaching than it is the current talent level to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can easily spin it the other way. And I don't really have a good argument against it, except for look at Scott Frost, but like you could spin it the other way. And I don't, I don't really have a good argument. My personal belief is that the talent level was better than what we saw here. The talent level has been better than what we've actually seen produce and under a guy like Matt rule, who seems to be able to genuinely develop talent. Well, yeah, I expect a lot more than one guy from this roster to end up in the NFL. Um, I want to go back to a comment from Josh a few minutes ago. Uh, He says, and this was basically in response to, to me, you know, wondering why is the discourse kind of began with the, the talent level. He's bored probably if we're being honest, but look, it's June. For sure. Yeah. I think that I mean, that's a big is, part in it, too. Um, is, I, I'm going to give you another theory, though. Josh asks, thoughts on coaches saying, uh, or, yeah, saying they think they'll be better than most expect, assuming that is accurate reporting. And Josh, I assume, is bringing up, like, the 24-7 sports story that Jack and I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, there was a, I'll just read the first sentence for you, Robbie. No one at Nebraska is interested in giving opposing teams bullets and board material, but this coaching staff expects to be far better than most win total projections suggest from odds makers. And like, so we, we, we unpacked that on the Grum, Jack and I unpacked that in here. Um, and, and like that, that was the first time that I had heard that type of bullishness from anyone, you know, proponent, you know, or proposing that it, they heard it from the coaching staff or anyone inside the program. So like I, I viewed that very interestingly and I, I guess I will say this. So here's my theory. Um, because I, I, it, there is, this is, I don't know how big of an open secret this is, but I, it, Matt rule and staff and specifically Matt rule has had more like off the record conversations with people for the record. I have not had one of these off the record mm-hmm. conversations. And so my, my theory early this week was, I wonder if in one of those off the record moments with media, and, and by the way, this is stuff that happens with like a lot of coaches and like specifically good coaches. Like there was a, a Cowboys podcast I was listening to and not to say Mike McCarthy is a good coach. I was going to say, you said good coaches and Cowboys <laughs> in the same sentence. And I was like, what are you doing? my bad, my bad there. Um, but that like the, the, one of the beat writers for the team, he covers them for the athletic John Mashota. He talked about like this lunch, this yearly lunch they have 
don't remember if it's at the combine. I think it's at the combine where they talk to him on the record and then they have like 45 minutes off the record where they just kind of get intel, get extra information, yada, yada, yada. Coaches do this, right? They, mm-hmm. they do this at all levels of football. Good Scott Frost did do, not yeah. do this. No, Scott he's Frost paranoid was, and a weirdo and not yeah. very good to be around. Yeah, so like th- this is not me like trying to say, oh, Matt Rule is, is you know, doing all these things and he's amazing. It's not no, it's unusual just, he's, is what you're saying. He's, he's, he's playing, he's playing the game. Um, and so my, my theory was, I wonder if there was a conversation that had been had where kind of that groundwork had been laid in terms of, Hey, the talent level maybe isn't as good as, uh, as, as we were hoping it would be, but that's just me. Because it felt like around spring, some of those conversations made it seem like whether on the record or off the record, that the talent level was actually better than we were expecting. Yeah, I think because that's to me from at least I don't want to I don't know how to say this exactly um, from things that I have heard from people that have some relationships with with some of the coaching staff. It seems like they were expecting to inherit a much worse situation considering what the records had been. Um. And then they got here and they're like, oh, no, there's some actual guys here. Mm. Um, that, that's, the, that's the vibe that I got heading into and coming out of spring. Um, I also kind of got the sense that, you know, and I don't, when they, when coaches say, hey, I think we're going to be better than people expect, you know, what are they comparing that to, right? Because if you're looking at Matt Rule's first years at Baylor and Temple, and people being like, oh, no, are we looking at like one or yeah. two wins this year? Yeah. Then, yes, I expect them to be better than that. Um, if you're talking about, you know, odds makers in Vegas, I don't know what that number is at, like four. Is that? No, it's at six. Like that's six? Oh, yeah. Well, then that's being better than that would be shocking. Yes, shocking, dude. But like, yes, I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I could. You could get me to like seven and I won't, my mind won't be blown. If you get above seven, I'm going to be like, wow. Robbie, that's awesome. The the staff expects to be far better than most win total. What what the hell does far better than six mean? And look, I guess maybe, maybe when these sources are talking with Nebraska coaches, they're not literally like, hey, could you pull up the Vegas lines on FanDuel? Maybe they're just talking about more of that kind of mindset of, we expect to be far better than these talent that we inherited because I, or, or I guess what we expected to inherit and given the record yeah. that the, the program has said, like I told a story on the podcast a few weeks ago and I'll do it again for those who, who missed it. But I, I talked to somebody yeah. who saw a practice at some point um, over the last, you know, I think it was in March, maybe March or I don't remember. It was either March or April. Cause those are the months that they practiced. And he, this person relayed a story to me about Matt rule saying, you know, like they made a mistake and he said, that's, that's why you haven't been to a bowl game in however many years. He's like, this team, this team is good enough to go to a bowl. And I'm not talking about the damn cheese at bowl. So like I heard that story and then I read this 24 seven thing and I was like, Oh, I get like, that makes sense. Right? Like this, he believes that the talent level or he believes that these players can do better than a cheese at bowl to me would be six and six. Right? So he's yeah, saying, yeah. and RIP the cheese at bowl. So he's saying, yeah, maybe seven or I guess eight somehow. Um, and look, part of that could just be motivation, but I don't think that Matt Rule is just going to randomly say that um, for, you know, for shits and giggles at a practice. So, 
Um, no, it's I definitely agree, been a part of the discourse the last couple of months. Kind of have to remember, you know, he does know what a good football team looks like at this level. Yeah, right? for like, sure. Yeah. Those, the last Baylor team especially was, I think like two overtime losses against Oklahoma away from legitimately being in a national title discussion. Um, maybe even just the one overtime loss in the big 12 title game. If I, yeah, what they lost in the regular season and then they lost, uh, yeah. to Oklahoma and then they lost to them again in the, uh, conference championship game. Yeah. And the conference championship game was overtime. And if they'd won that, I think they take Oklahoma's place in the playoff. I don't remember for sure, but I, I think that's right. Um, so like he knows what a really high level football team looks like. Um, so, you know, if he's looking around and looking at his talent and he says, yeah, I kind of like what this is shaping up as I, kind of tend to agree with him you know again it's hard a lot of the way we're filtering the things that we've um that we hear and that we we see comes so much from the last 20 years of like trauma right where yeah we're just so conditioned to expect that things are going to go worse than we expect them to not better. And that's fair. Cause that's how it's been. Right. But just because that's how it's been, doesn't mean that's how it's always going to be. Um, and, and for me, yeah, I saw, I mean, I saw the, the Kool-Aid drinker comment in, in on the, the chat here. Yeah, I am drinking the Kool-Aid on rule. I, he, he does and says at least so far, so many of the things that I believe are important in coaching and leadership and things like that, that I am going to give him the benefit of the doubt until, until further notice, because, you know, I believe in the accountability and the attention to detail and the, um, you know, the, the recruiting to a blueprint that he believes in. Right. Um, recruiting all these guys that nobody else has given the time of day, but for some reason he likes them. There's something about that that really appeals to me because he trusts his eva- he's, he's trusting his evaluation that he's not, you know, he's not leaning on. Okay, well this the, they offered this guy, so now we can go offer that guy, which has felt like a lot of coaches do, and especially the last staff did a lot. It felt like. I like that he goes out and knows what he thinks a successful football player at this level looks like. And he doesn't care if somebody else has offered him and he doesn't care if they don't have any stars and doesn't care if they even have a picture on the recruiting websites. He goes out and he makes an offer and he accepts a commitment in June when he doesn't have to try and fill out a class right now. This isn't, you know, this isn't just him taking guys because he has to fill out 20 roster spots or, or 20, 20 scholarship spots or whatever. Obviously, there's something about these guys that committed over the, the last weekend and even in last year's class that he sees a blueprint of, of guys being successful. And is it going to work? I don't know. But he is doing a lot of the things that I believe matter. And so I'm, I'm in at this point. And if it doesn't work, then I'll admit to being wrong and we'll go from there. But until then, I'm kind of just going to ride with it, I think. Well, you're even this bullish on the recruiting over the last week just because, I mean, like like you said. like I'm not like bullish in the terms of like I've went and evaluated them or anything like that, but <laughs> I know how other coaches operate. 
and how other coaches here have operated and how a lot of other coaches operate in other places, right? It's really hard, especially if it's like an in-state guy, it's really hard to be that first offer, to convince yourself, hey, yeah, he can play at this level. I trust my evaluations. I trust my, I trust my eyes that tell me that this is absolutely a guy that can help us win at the Big Ten level. And to have that confidence in your evaluating ability and in understanding what a guy needs to look like in order to be successful for you, whether that's physically, whether that's um, like from a makeup standpoint, whatever, just being confident in your ability, that is not something that we've seen a lot lately. I've criticized uh, Nebraska's basketball staff a lot for it because they've missed on a lot of in-state recruits because they are not always as quick to enter into that fray and trust their evaluations the way um, that other people do. And so they, they miss out on certain guys. And I feel like the Nebraska football staff has done the same thing in recent years. And it's just refreshing to, to see a guy say, Hey, I see enough from, from this particular player that I trust and that I like, and I trust my eyes and we're going to make them an offer and not only make them an offer, but accept the commitment too. like, those are two different things in this day and age. And so, like, I don't know if these guys can play at all, but I there's a part of me that really likes the fact that he thinks they can, and he doesn't care what anybody else thinks about it either. Fascinating. It's it's such a, it's such a fascinating type, man. Like, I just I think you said something earlier about us being bored, and maybe that's why some of this stuff has crept up. You know, like, you, 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 oh, we, we're definitely bored. Like, yeah, because <laughs> we've we've had how many months since he got hired, and so we've essentially talked about things from every angle, and so now it's like. We gotta kind of explore the how talented is this team angle. I mean, you know, we're a month away from from Big Ten Media Days, which is, I mean, truly the beginning of that last hurrah, which is insane because that means we still have a month left of kind of finding things to discuss, and that's where like the indispensable Huskers, like we were talking about it today. Nick Hanley and I were on the In Between Show, and the World Herald and, and Journal Star, their list is like a. It's just 50 players to know. And so it's <clears throat> my opinion is their way of saying like the 50 more, most important Huskers without saying the 50 most important Huskers, but mm-hmm. they'd chub up, they'd chub up 49 and like, it was like, holy shit. Like if, if chub, if chub is that important, if he's the 49th most important person on the, on the roster, like that's obviously bad, right? Like we would, I mean, that means he's I probably know. playing, <laughs> you know, well, and like yeah, nobody so wants that. It, you're right. Nobody, nobody, me of all people does not want to see Chubba Purdy on the field. Um, but you also have to, I mean, it's not surprising that the backup quarterback is mentioned, right? Like yeah. the backup quarterback almost always matters in almost everybody's season. At some point, the backup quarterback matters. So I don't like putting him at, if he was, but a, he's probably, he's probably the third stringer. Don't you think? Or do you think he's going to be? Uh, I don't, I don't, I really don't know. Uh, to yeah. be honest, I not a ton would surprise me at this point in terms of what happened at the backup spot. But, you know, you look at, like I said, you look at everybody across the country and on any given year, the backup quarterback's going to matter. Now, if, if, if we've got a quarterback, like, let's say you're right, and he's the third string and we've got another quarterback at like, I don't know, 30 or 20, like, yeah, that's, that's a bad sign. That's that's not great. But if you have the backup quarterback at 49 or 50, I mean, that doesn't to me that doesn't say a lot. Yeah. 
by the way, I just realized as we wind down, we were going to do the thing where we uh, award points. Did you see this topic that was... Uh, I did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to do this as, as we wrap up uh, around nine o'clock? So if you miss this prompt, I'm trying to scroll and find there was a tweet, the original tweet. Okay. Here it is. Put Steve Tasker in the Hall of Fame, writes. If you had to sign 100 points to your favorite sports teams in order, how would they rank? And this person gave the Bills 83, the Royals 7, Missouri football 4, Missouri basketball 3, Notre Dame football 2. Screw you, guy. You can't have another college football team. And then uh, Sporting KC 1. The responses in the club were great. It was really interesting to see. I liked how JB triggered people immediately with the 40 going to Creighton and then uh, two to Nebraska men's basketball with the 50 going to uh, Nebraska football among many. Sam gave 69 to Nebraska football. Very nice. nice. Um, there were some like, let me see. Clint had one, two, three, four. He had eight things. Stumanji had five teams. Mm. Chuck had good Lord, Chuck. Oh, there's a little NASCAR in here. 10, 10. Meanwhile, Matt only had five. I, I, have a very low number. First of all, Ravi, how mm-hmm. many teams, how many teams are we dividing your points among? You don't have to give the, the, the points just yet, but how many teams are we talking about here? I think five, five. Okay. Yeah. If I can count right. And if I can add these points, right, which I, this may not add to a hundred. I think it does oh. in my head, but we'll give, we'll give it our best go. Josh just says Nebraska football. So Josh is giving all 100 points of his to Nebraska football. Fair. So totally I, fair. So I have two. And I think that I think that I have made peace over the last I really think Ravi this last year or so has been good for me. Because okay. I think I've I've made peace with the fact that I just do not care about as many teams as I used to. Like you asked me this question thirteen years ago. First of all, Nebraska football would have been the runaway winner and it wouldn't have sure. been, even been close. Um then it would have been like the Cowboys barely above the Lakers. And that sure. was kind of it. It was like those three teams, but I, I, I don't know. I, maybe I would have tried to talk myself into like, you know, Nebraska basketball being amongst the points, Nebraska baseball being amongst the points. I have just, again, I've made peace with the fact that I just do not, I do not have the emotional investment into those teams. And certainly my emotional investment into Nebraska football has changed a lot. And, and for the record, I really hope that someday when I'm not hosting a radio show in Omaha, that, that, emotional investment is able to kind of come back in. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave, I give 80 to the Dallas Cowboys. I give 20 to Nebraska football. Oh, that, That's yeah. I, I said that in the group and in oh. my friend group chat. Oh. And one of my friends was like, this makes me sad to see that the Dallas Cowboys, it you have them. It makes six- me sad yeah. too. I mean, yeah. Hey, it, first of all, it makes me sad that you have that much of your emotional oh, well-being tied up in yeah. the Cowboys. It's that's not great, scary. bro. It's not, it's um, not great. I it feel sucks. like we need to set up official wellness checks on you. Hey, to be fair though, um, I mean, what, 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 if it's 50, 50, it's not like I'm having a good time there either. No, but it also makes me sad that Nebraska is only a 20. I for know you. Me too, um, I thought I was going to be the lowest here with Nebraska and I'm, I'm above you. Oh, um, for Nebraska football. So I've got, um, you have five, you said five teams, right? Yeah. So I've got Nebraska football and it's going to make people super happy and nice. Creighton basketball, both at 30. Nice. Um, I've got Steph Curry at 20. Oh my gosh. That is tremendous. And then this, you're kind of just hedging there, right? So like he goes somewhere else. Well, and you know this about me. I'm a player's guy in the NBA. Not a yes, team you are. Guy. Hey, let me ask so, you a question real quick. Then when he yeah. retires, do you think that, you are just a man without a country. No, I'll move on to whoever. 
speaks to me at the time. I mean, I went from Jordan to Kobe to Steph. Yeah. Um, And so I, I kind of, I move on towards the end of the run for um, whoever I am a fan of at the time. And so when that time starts to come, you know, maybe it'll be, uh, maybe I'll be a Victor Wembanyama Spurs fan. I don't know. I thought it was going to be Luca, but he started playing like James Harden, and now I am. Uh, yeah. Um, but there'll be a guy. I'm sure there'll be a guy that I'm like, hey, that's that's my new, that's my dude. Um, so we'll see who it is. But yeah, it's a uh, so that's why I do Curry and not the Warriors because if Curry yeah. leaves the Warriors, I'm going with Curry. Um, so real quick, it was thirty, thirty, and then what was Curry? Twenty. Twenty. Okay. So right now we're at we're at. 80 total points and you have two teams left. Yep. Um, the Red Sox are at 10. Okay. And the 49ers are at 10. Wow. That's crazy. You're that low on the 49ers. In terms of my emotional investment, I really like them. It really doesn't. They don't often change my mood. Wow. That's crazy. You know what I would say, Robbie, you, I feel like you talk more shit about the 49er, like from the 49ers perspective than you do from any perspective. Well, it's, it's cause <laughs> it's a bit, well, kind it's of like the quarter, the quarterback thing is a bit at this point, right? Like it's just, yeah. you know, I, it's fun. It's funny. Plus I'm, you know, half the time we're talking with John. So it's just easy because of the oh, Rams sure. thing there. Um, also, like nobody cares if you talk shit about their about Major League Baseball. Like, there's not any, you know, like. Oh no man, one. but I looked at the his WAR. Oh, okay, yeah. cool, bro. Um, Let's talk about stats over and over. God, like, I I almost put the Red Sox lower, but like, so a couple years ago would have been 2021 when they went to the ALCS. Like, I was I really really enjoyed their playoff run. And had they made the World Series, like I had plans to go to Boston for a World Series game, and I would have done that. Wow. Um, so like that, like I, I care, I don't care about the regular season the way I used to. I used to watch so much regular season baseball, Josh. Like I don't think you understand. Yeah. Um, like a, like a happer or more level of regular season baseball watching. Wow. In the... Happer or more? I watched... Jeez. So I got MLB TV on my computer for the first time in like 2005, which they were way ahead of the curve there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched probably over half of the Red Sox games for several years there. Wow. Um, and then I would watch random baseball on top of that. Like in 05, after Pedro went from the Red Sox to the Mets, I watched every Pedro start for the Mets because he had a great year and I love Pedro. Pedro's like an all time for me. Yeah. And so like, I don't have that level of investment in baseball anymore, but I realized um, like in 2018 when they won the world series and then in 2021 when they had a nice little run in the playoffs there, I was like, I do still care about this team, you know, even though I don't check in as frequently on a, on a daily basis the way I used to. So, yeah, you know, I think that's what like I really noticed about myself. Like when the Lakers won in the bubble, it was like, cool, you know, like the Lakers won in the bubble, but even like this year, then like they made the Western finals and I was watching those games and just like, it didn't, it didn't mean like anything. And it was like, yeah, it, it makes me sad, man. Like I, and I look part of it. I have grown apart from the NBA over the last few years. And so like, when you know yeah, you just you don't mentioned ba- you don't like basketball like at all. 
I do. I just, it's hard to explain. I do like basketball. And I actually asked myself that question a lot during the season. Like, Josh, do you just dislike basketball? And I like it. Um, I think part of it is just the, the night in night out of it. Um, I think can be tough. Like I loved the playoffs. I really, as someone who, you know, like load management, I, I get why it, why they do it. I, it has turned me off to the product though in recent years. Um, but like what you just said about the Red Sox, like I remember, man, like Pete, my, my peak Laker fandom. And this was over the course of years where I was watching, I would say the national TV games. I was, I was watching 75% of them, 50 to 75% oh, of, yeah. the, of the yeah. Laker games when they were on. And like, cause yeah. I was in like high school and early college. I didn't, and streaming was still in its infancy. So I couldn't even like pirate games, but I would do that playoffs. I didn't miss a single game. I would watch. Yeah. I watched every Laker playoff game from, you know, 2000. I mean, really going, I can go back to like, Oh three. And, and it's, it's basically every playoff game from then on in the Kobe Bryant era. And I, yeah. I would, like, I would not dream of missing those. And like, you know, this that's year, I, you know, that's how I was with the warriors, you know, or still yeah. am to the most part. I did not enjoy watching this warriors team. You know that I've talked a lot about that. Um, yeah. just did not enjoy watching this team. I was never really in on them. Um, I still watch, enjoy watching Curry who played as well as he has in his career, which is incredible. Um, but like there was, I did not like how this team was built. I was been very upset with the front office and how they have handled everything um, with putting that roster together. Um, so I, I get, but that to me, isn't like a, I don't, in, I just didn't like watching them play there. Yeah. That wasn't a, I don't care about them or I don't like basketball. It's like the way they end up playing because of some of the choices they've made in terms of roster management just really frustrated me more than anything. But I think that kind of goes to show that I, I do care. Um, oh, for sure. Still. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I watch way too much basketball. I love basketball. I mean, that's, that's not shocking. Uh, people know that about you me. You like but basketball? I also, I mean, I don't think people know how much I like football too. Like, especially college football. Um, yeah, I watch so much college football. Yeah, we're the and, same in that we just like sit there and like it's on. Yeah. It's on in the morning. It's on until I go to bed. And I'm the same well, way, you know, with the I'm, NFL all day on Sunday. And I'm less so with the NFL. I usually do red zone channel for most of the day on Sunday outside of like the 49ers. Um, but like, not only do I watch college football all day Saturday, then I go watch the BTN 60 to make sure I saw every Big Ten team that week. Yeah, see, that is some sicko behavior right there. Like, my man's over here watching Rutgers. So I'll, about halfway through the season, if I feel like I have a good grasp on who the really bad teams are, I'll stop watching some of those. Yeah. Um, like Northwestern this year, I think I stopped watching after like week four or five. Remember um, when some tried to convince us, Ravi, after they beat Nebraska? <laughs> hey, maybe they're good. No, I watched them like two or three more weeks. I was like, oh, God, this is a bad football team. This is a really bad football team. Yeah. Um, they so were I'll, horrible. I'll, I'll pare it down to probably like the top half of the league by two thirds of the way through the season. But like, I feel unless Nebraska is playing one of those teams and I add them back in, but um, I really, for kind of what, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't even do what you do in terms of having a daily show, but in terms of doing like radio spots and doing fill in stuff and, and podcasts or whatever, I, I feel like I need to do that to be prepared. I do the same thing with Biggie's basketball. Um, during most of the non-conference, I will watch at least one game a week 
from every team and then all stars are all start dropping like the the depauls of the world and stuff like that and the georgetowns of the world but um and and i don't watch every game i'll do i'll do one game a week basically for for basketball because you know you usually get two or three in but um for the amount that i end up talking about these teams like i just i don't feel comfortable unless i've got that level of of preparation in there you know because i don't like i don't like scripting stuff so i like to be able to be really comfortable like off the cuff you know Mm-hmm. And if you're not hyper prepared, you end up it it doesn't go well if you want to go off the cuff. Yeah. Uh you just said something before we go. You said or podcast. Do you do you have any do you have any announcements about um, I think I think we're crossing our fingers. Um oh. that as soon as the College World Series is over, I think we're planning on recording the first episode next week. All right, let's I go. Think, I think so. That's I'll be sure to put it out on my social medias and stuff um, once that's officially up and running. But um, that is the plan as of right now is to record basically, I think, a week from yes or a week from today. I think we're supposed to record on Wednesday. So, oh, cool. Well, man, I am. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I appreciate you doing this tonight. Um, I think we might have you on Saturday as well uh hanging out and so you like i said earlier you are always you've always been my first go-to when i want to do a show with somebody and i need somebody and it's nice to it was nice to be able to chat with you uh instead of four hours at least we got a little over an hour it's been a great time yeah absolutely man i appreciate you having me and if you need me on saturday let me know we'll uh we'll run it back perfect uh appreciate everyone for joining us tonight if you are listening at a later date and you're not a patron, patreon.com slash ID club. We appreciate everybody, by the way, over the next few weeks um, as as things are just going to be a little different. Uh, Jack Mitchell is, is on his way literally right now. He's in the club typing, but he can't listen because he's on a plane. Um, he, is, he is on his way to Italy. Uh, he will be back in a couple of weeks. We have a recorded podcast coming to you next Saturday, this Saturday morning coffee show. But it'll be uh, me and a variety of friends over the next uh, week and a half or so, including Robbie, most likely again on Saturday. I'm also going to try to get Happer in here uh, probably next week, so we will do that. And it's just kind of a busy time. Uh, I have multiple bachelor parties coming up. I have a wedding coming up. Um, Ooh, so, brag much? Yeah, I know. Not to not to I brag. Love, getting married again. I'm pulling a Robbie wedding number two <laughs> coming up. It's going great for Robbie. Robbie, the, you guys have been together now for what four years almost? Um, our fourth wedding anniversary is next month. We've been together oh. for five years. Wow, man, I'm so happy yeah. for you too. That was such a great wedding. I can't believe that was, it was four yeah years it ago. Was, uh, you know, the marriage, the remix is the way to go. Nice. Absolutely. It is. I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to mine. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate everyone's patience. Uh, you know, and then we'll basically Ravi, it's going to be fun outside of my wedding in mid August, Jack and I will be, we will get back from all these things in, in mid to late July. And then it'll be like go time. It's going to be totally football season. And I think all of us are very excited to be able to, to put all this into a bit more perspective with actual games and things on. I'm just going to put something out here for a little, a little feeler. You know, if Jack is gone sometime, yeah, you, me, and Happer should sit down and just oh. and do one of these little a little tripod. Oh, well, gosh, I wish that you now. What do you know? What time you're doing your thing next Wednesday? Um, it'll be in the morning, so you'd be okay. Ooh, we do well, maybe we do that. Maybe we do a little Wednesday night three way action, Ooh. a little menage a trois. Yeah, I would. Right. Uh, I would be down. All right, cool. I'm gonna ask Happer. I'm gonna ask Happer about this uh, tomorrow, and uh, I bet he would be down too. That'd be that'd be a, a very good time. So, cool. 
Patreon.com slash ID Club. Uh, I'll be back on Saturday. Ravi will 99.9% uh, be back with me as well. And uh, who knows what else we'll uh, have a chance Maybe to do Maybe we'll there. actually get into some nonsense. There wasn't very much nonsense yeah, today. I apologize for that, Ravi. I apologize for the lack heavy. of nonsense. Yeah, it was. It was. So uh, we apologize. We apologize for the lack of nonsense. We do appreciate everyone for uh, for joining us tonight. And uh, we'll be back again on Saturday morning. Thanks again, Ravi. Thanks, guys. Bye.